Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. This morning I spoke about the hardest thing. And the hardest thing is receiving a gift that is outrageously generous. Uh, And the reason why it's difficult is because of the way the thing that the gift does. Outrageously generous gifts are humbling uh, and they're also slightly embarrassing. They're kind of, it's that sort of awkwardness. Um, If you've ever been at Christmas time uh, and you've given a gift, you've given someone some papori uh, or socks and, and they've given you something outrageously expensive. And there's that kind of, there's that awkward tension that you appreciate. And, and they're not looking for anything more than purporeal socks, right? It's not like that they were giving something expensive on the hope they'll get something back. They just wanted to be generous. But that generosity creates this kind of slight tension in us. Um, and knowing kind of how to respond. And so there's a humble experience that there's kind of this sense in which people have have reached into the depths of the heart and just want to bless you with something. Uh, But also the gift itself demands a response to step up in ourselves that we can be worthy of the gift, that there is a sense in which the gift itself. And Christ, it says, when he came into this, he came to give us the kingdom of God. Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, he says that I came to give you the kingdom. Fear not, for I have given you the kingdom. And the kingdom, that's a bit outrageous, really, isn't it? That's, a, that's an outrageously huge gift. It's, uh, Jamie, you can have the kingdom. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's like, it's, um, but by the way, now it's your responsibility. Yeah. And uh, so the, the gift, it's like, so you receive this epic gift. And out of this epicness of the, the size of the gift comes a responsibility to step up to it. To kind of live up to that gift. And, and um, I kind of feel like um, that uh, as we count down to Christmas, Christmas Day or Christmas Eve for many people, um, many, if, if, you, uh, if you sort of grew up in Europe, it's Christmas Eve. Where is Raquel? She's doing, she's upstairs now. Uh, they, so, uh, she's, um, so anyone outside of uh, UK, America, Australia or Canada... Well, we'll do Christmas presents. You will do Christmas presents on Christmas Eve. It's because the rest of the world can't bother to wait, right? It's, uh, we was always taught that you have to wait. And, uh, and they just, so a lack, complete lack of discipline. And, uh, and, uh, so, uh, Tommaso, you do Christmas Eve. Do you do Christmas Eve? Yeah, point made right there. And, uh, so, so everyone is, is kind of, they're going to be unwrapping their Christmas presents. But, but I think that the whole joy of Christmas is, is the, the, the excitement about Christmas is the presents around the tree. Uh, and it's the sense of these gifts that you have that you want to give to somebody else. You know that there are gifts there that you will receive, but the real joy is in the gift that you are able to give to somebody else. Yeah. And it's that, it's that wonderful dynamic of, of your love and your care for other people, the thoughtfulness and the care and attention that you've put in, in wanting to buy someone 
um, a, a gift. I, I remember Margaret saying how one year she, um, out of love and devotion to Les, she bought him a vacuum cleaner because that's what she needed. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so, so it was a special time. But I think he bought you a chainsaw, did he not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, so, <laughs> so they've got a thing going on there. Um, but I want to read to you about a gift that Father God on his Christmas list has written And it's a gift that he requires from us, or he asks, not requires, I think asks from us that we might bring to him. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 22. um, And we're going to read um, Genesis chapter 22. We're going to read uh, a couple of verses. There's quite a few verses. So I'm going to read just the first two verses and I'm going to jump down to verse 7. Okay, so now come to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Cut to verse 7. But Isaac, so a lot has gone on. Between verse 2 and verse 7, they've packed up, gone on a journey. It's a bit of an awkward one for Abraham because here he is. Uh, he's got his son Isaac and he's going, we're going we're gonna to offer up some sacrifices. And Isaac's going, hey, this is going to be a jolly. So off they go and they're going off up, up the mountain and um, they get along the journey. And uh, Isaac spoke to Abraham, verse 7, it says, my father. And he said to here I am, my son, which I think is a strange way because they're probably standing next to each other, right? And <laughs> then he said, look, the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham prophesies at this moment, but he doesn't realize he does. He's probably speaking out of desperation because he doesn't really know what he's doing or why he's doing it. But he says, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me, Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught up in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went, went, took the ram, offered it for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called Abraham a second time out of heaven. And he said, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing I have not, and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand on the seashore. And your descendants will possess the gates of their enemies. Verse 18, this is the really powerful one. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they rose and went to Beersheba and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. In this remarkable story, we see a 
fulfillment of a man's faith that is so profound, its implications have echoes through eternity. And the profoundness of his faith is that he learned how to trust God or implicitly trust him, to lean on God in a manner that gives him everything. And and the, the point of this whole thing is that, you see, God from the creation of the earth had a plan for mankind. Yeah. He had a plan that he would bring forth salvation. In the Garden of Eden, you have Adam and Eve. They kind of messed up. They ate from the wrong tree. They tried to blame on each other, um, kind of going, I got confused, wasn't sure which tree it was. And uh, there's a tree of life and the tree of evil. I took the wrong tree, I'm sorry. And, uh, and kind of this awkward moment arose, right? So, and out of it, actually, actually when you read it, we are traditionally taught that God cursed Adam and Eve. He, he, you read it again, he doesn't curse them, all right? Adam and Eve are not cursed because of their sin, right? He doesn't curse man. He says, the ground is cursed. Have you noticed that when you work hard and with your, in, in done any gardening, out of the gardening comes thorns and thistles. You have to work hard to bring forth the harvest, right? There's a, there's a hardness to it that comes. And that's as a result of sin upon the earth. But in this, God says there, to Eve, he says that from your seed, or says actually to Satan, I'm getting the story all mixed up now. He says to Satan, he says, the, the, from your seed, there is enmity between your seed and the woman's seed, speaking of the Savior, Jesus Christ. So God's speaking in the Garden of Eden that a saviour will come to redeem mankind of the sin that has been released upon the earth. And so we have this plan that comes from God. Now, God needs mankind to bring forth his plan. He needs people who will bring forth a gift of faith. And up until this time, here's the thing, right? I have a little chuckle to myself. I think to myself, I wonder how many people God spoke to before he got to Abraham. We don't know because it's not recorded, right? But I, I suspect that other people could have been us. God could have said, come with me. And they've gone, well, you know what? It's busy. I've got a mortgage. Can't really afford to do this. Um, you know, it's, it, there's got some good contracts coming up. If we can just wait till next year, maybe, um, etc. But he says to Abraham, follow me. And Abraham leaves his hometown, and he becomes a, a he becomes a sojourner. He becomes one's wandering through, and he learns how to trust God. And in the midst of that trust, we have this epic moment when God finds in Himself finds a man who is prepared to trust Him with his whole life, and trust Him with the life of His son. See, here's the thing, Abraham doesn't have a plan for a saviour to come upon the earth, right? It's not, Abraham, all Abraham wanted was a son. It's all he wanted. All Abraham wanted was a son. Here he is, a very wealthy man. He's got lots of sheep, lots of camels. He's got, someone's got to inherit it, right? And he didn't want it to be the servant. He wanted it to be a son. He couldn't have a son. Eventually, he has a son. Now he's got a son. God's told him to, to kill him. And, and he's kind of, he's got all confused, but it's a test to see of his devotion. It's not really, God doesn't want anyone to be killed. And so here we see this situation and we see that Abraham, see all Abraham wants is a son. 
But what God wants is a saviour. And so what God wants from Abraham is unconditional faith. Now look at this in verse 18. He says, In your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. You see, because of Abraham's faith, God now receives a gift to the world that gives him the ability to bring forth a saviour. He's now found a man. See, Abraham's faith was so radical, so outrageously generous. His gift to God was so outrageously generous. It was his family. It was his inheritance. It was his future. He had spent all this time praying for a son. They reckon that Isaac would have been an adult by the time this was done. So Isaac would have been going... I'm not sure I like this game, Dad. And uh, we're tying him up. It's like, <laughs> this isn't funny anymore. Um, and uh, he would have been, I can imagine the conversation that's going on between them. And, and here they have this, this situation. But Abraham gave to God a son that he had spent 25 years believing for kind of not believing for, struggling over, eventually receives a word from God that Sarah would get pregnant. Eventually Sarah gets pregnant. And here we have this extraordinary miracle. And now, all these years later, well past the date when they could have another son, God tests him and says, will you give him to me? And so Abraham offers up his son as an offering to God not in an actual sacrifice, that would be wrong, (laughs) but in terms of a devotion to God, and he gives him an offering, and that offering of faith shifts eternity. Because out of it, God is able to receive something righteous. See, see, there's a righteousness that that is formed in faith. There's a righteousness that's formed in the gift of faith. And when Abraham brought the gift of his son, God received something way more powerful than just a heart that says, oh, I know I can trust you. God receives from him a gift of righteousness so powerful, it enables him to say, from your seed, from this family line now, I know I can build a nation called Israel who will bring forth a saviour, who will bring forth salvation to all mankind upon the earth. That one, that one statement of faith, that one test of faith for Abraham to give it all up was enough to bring forth this incredible... See, our faith is tested in the crucible of, of our challenging times. It's tested in the, the, the hardship of, of the things that we go through. We go through tests and we go through trials. Trials are circumstances and situations that are not brought by God. They are the, they are the issues of life. Yeah. Some things that God brings us test, to test our faith, to make sure that we are able to carry for the, thing, the things for which we're praying. We're saying, God, I, this is the thing I want to do. Well, when you are in university, you go, well, I want to be a doctor. I want to be an architect. I, 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 I want to be a school teacher. And that is the thing that you ask to do. Well, you have to pass a test. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
to prove that you're worthy of carrying that title. When we ask God, God, I want to do that, God says, look, I'm just going to test you to do this. And the test that we go through is the test to see whether we are capable, whether we are worthy to carry the thing which God wants to bring forth from us. You see, most of us spend our time praying for things that are quite inconsequential. That's a long word, right? So we pray for things which are like, God, I've got things, I, I, I need this money situation. Maybe we're praying for really complex, difficult things, family situations, but they're all very immediate, personal, small, just impacting. But what God wants from us is the faith so that he can fix that stuff. I mean, he can fix that. But he wants the consequences of the blessings that flow from that. And to do that, he takes us through a place because his Christmas list is unquestionable. It's unchallenging trust. It's trust that just leans into God and says, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my future. Um, and um, Cheryl's nephew, Andy, who's, uh, he's away, as are many people away, he's, he's away this weekend, and um, he's doing uh, electronic engineering um, at college, and he has to, um, his coursework has, doesn't have any sort of big exams at the end. He has lots of exams along the way. A little bit like life, really. <laughs> so lots of it. And when I first heard, he said, he says, yeah, I've got, uh, I've got an exam today. He gets exams every week, sometimes two. And he goes, I've got an exam today. The pass rate has got to be 96%. got a pass rate 96%. You've got to get. He says, and if you get one question wrong, then you failed. Right? So, um, so he's passed one or two exams. He's failed quite a lot of them. Now, now he has tests which he has to exams he has to do. You have to get 100% to pass the exam. Now, what happens is it seems quite severe. It's like, my word, how, how come there's anyone left on the course? Well, the way they work it is this. They, they say, right, you've got to get 100%, but if you fail it, you can do it again. You fail it, you can do it again. And you only have to do the question you failed. But if you fail that again, you can still do it again. It'll cost you 30 quid. It's good motivation, isn't it? It's good motivation to not fail twice. And uh, I said to Andy, so have you paid out 30 quid yet? Oh, yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, but the point is this. They're getting these students and they're passing. Eventually, at the end of the day, at some point, they're going to get 100% all the way through because they have to to keep going on the course. Yeah. Now, what I've discovered is that in God, that God is going, listen, I need from you faith that I can work with. I need from you faith that will do something amazing. This is what I'm looking for. And here's the deal. Abraham messed up. Like he he messed up most of his life. The point with Abraham is this. He managed to get it right on those key moments. But he only managed to get those key moments right was because he kept failing in the times past. How many times were there? How many times were it's like, 
Oh, I don't think, you know, maybe God's saying, no, he said I would have a son. Maybe it's not with you, Sarah. And Sarah's going, yeah, maybe it's not. Maybe it's with the maid. It's like, and Abraham's going, yes, maybe it is. Uh, and, uh, and off he goes. And, uh, and then he has Ishmael. And Ishmael causes, um, causes him all sorts of uh, headaches, as you can imagine. And then you have this turnaround. And so often, step after step, Abraham is, is winging it on his own. He's not trusting God. He's leaning in. He get, the um, Egyptian uh, pharaoh comes, on, comes up to him and he's going, he, he just makes up this story that Sarah isn't his wife. And, and um, he ends up having his, uh, Sarah, his wife, taken away from him. And, and he, he should have just trusted God instead of just spinning lies. And and he fails, he fails, he fails, he fails. But the thing about the kingdom of God is that it doesn't matter how many times you fail. It's the fact is that God just keeps us bringing us back, bringing us back until we're able to just trust him. Yeah. And what happens is this, is that, that you see, let me read to you in Hebrews 12. Verse 17, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he has also received him in a figurative sense. And what that means, what happened in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is a former shadow of the new. So everything that happened in the Old Testament, Melchizedek, what happened with Abraham and Melchizedek is a is an image of what happened with Christ upon the cross. And so we we understand that with Abraham offering his son Isaac, it was a it was a message a declaration of what Christ could do by give, the giving of his son, that his son would, would die upon the cross and raise from the dead. That Abraham, there was this sense of, this figurative sense in Isaac of an image of what happened with Christ. Mm-hmm. Now listen, this, this is important because Abraham's faith empowered God to bring forth a saviour. Your faith, your trust in God, that unquestioning trust in him empowers God to bring forth Christ powerfully in your life, affecting far more, having far more consequence than just the thing that you're believing for. The power of those things. Over the years, Cheryl and I, have believed God for many things. We've laid everything out on the line. We've trusted him with our entire life. We've given everything we own away three times. We've, 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 we've laid it out and God has, has, has abundantly blessed us. I, I want you to know God abundantly blesses you. Right? But here's the deal, right? That By the way, that's our story. It's not your story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I remember some guy getting up, he's going, oh, but that happened to Kevin, so this is what I'm going to do. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not responsible for your actions right now. If you, if you just start giving things away, because <laughs> that's what, that was a, it was a word from God. And, 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 and God does ask people to give stuff away, but it's a, you've got to get that word for yourself. I didn't, it's not come from Kevin Upton. Amen, Jesus. And cross right there. <laughs> Just want you to know that. But I want you to know this, right? Trust. 
When you trust him, that's the best Christmas gift. Because with it, he can begin to change and turn around. Listen to this. In 1 Peter 1, I've just got two more scriptures. 1 Peter 1, 69, it says this. In this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. I mean, you know what that feels like. But the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. What's Peter saying? He's going, look, you go through all of these things, yet, they go through fire, that even gold pe- perishes in the fire, yet faith never perishes. It is the proven evidence. The Bible says that, that hope, that faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Faith is an evidence. It's the evidence of the things for which we hope. Here's the thing, right? There's something I need you to understand. You have to learn how to transfer how to step away from hope and into faith. We pray for things out of hope and wonder why they don't happen. But that's like a premature birth. It's like we have to understand that faith, faith must bring forth, must come forth out of our lives. Now, we are changed. We change eternity by bringing forth our faith. Now listen to this. Let me, let me give you this. In Jeremiah 17 and 7 and 8, it says this. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spread out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Now, this is extraordinary. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be a tree planted by the water. Now, a few weeks ago, I spoke on how God has made us trees of righteousness. And the key aspect of trees is that trees taking carbon dioxide, they're taking the the poison of the air and they bring forth oxygen. That God wants Christians, the church, to be ones who, in this world, receive whatever is going on in this world, but we bring forth, we bring forth the breath of God, we bring forth the love of God, we bring forth forgiveness of God, we bring forth the righteousness of God, we bring forth the healing, because trees change atmosphere. That's what they're there for. The tree is always there to bring forth oxygen, to bring forth, um, to bring forth. It it is a cleanser and a healer of everything that's going on around it. There's a. I was reading about a a man in India recently. It's on his island. The islands are in uh, the. um, What's the big famous river? Um, The the Ganges. 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 
Genjis, that's the one. I knew there was a word there. I was the Genjis, right? Ganges, Ganges. That's it, right? How ignorant. <laughs> we'll cut that out of the recording, right? So, and uh, so the Ganges River, um, which um, I've never seen. I've been to India a few times, but I've never seen that part. But the, 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 uh, there are islands in the river which were just disappearing. They're just being washed away. And so this fella, many years ago, more than 40 years ago, decided to start planting trees. He now has turned um, this island uh, into a forest that is larger than Central Park in New York. It's 1,300 acres of forest. And he's created this extraordinary um, climate, an extraordinary environment that is literally saving the land from being decayed and saving them. He's creating a place of cleanliness, of life. The, the villages, the locals are able to hunt in the, in the woods because of the animals that come in. I need you to understand, the Bible keeps coming. I will make you a tree of righteousness. We are blessing to the people that are around us. We're here to bring forth healing, here to bring forth restoration, here to bring forth forgiveness, here to bring forth the love of Jesus Christ in every aspect. And what happens is this, he who trusts in God shall become the tree. In other words, see, we just think about so he who trusts in God shall receive the thing that he asks for. That's what we want to read, right? <laughs> if I trust in you, you'll give me the gift. You'll give me the money. You'll, you'll give me the girl I'm praying for. You'll give me the you'll give me something, right? But God says I'll make you a tree. Because trees bring forth everything that's required for the sustenance of life. In other words, as Dave Gilpin says, people pray for a boat, God gives you a tree. <laughs> Go chop it down and make your own boat. <laughs> In other words, the thing that we are asking for is a very small aspect of the gift that God requires. God needed Abraham's trust to bring forth a saviour. He needed that gift because he had to find a people that he could bring forth a saviour from. He, Jesus had to come from a line of faith. You see, righteousness, because people are, everybody, no one's righteous. The Bible says no man is righteous, right? So we all fail. Where do we succeed? Where is it that we're acceptable? Faith, trust in God. That's what makes us righteous, right? So here's the deal. We all fail. We all fall over. We all struggle. But if we can bring forth trust, bring forth a heart one more time, we can lean upon the Lord. And we can say, God, I'm going to trust you with this situation. I'm trusting you because I want you to do something more in my life than just the thing that I'm asking for. God wants to do more in your life than just the thing that you're asking for. He wants you to bless the people that surround you. He wants you to be a blessing to those people who are connected to you. Those people that despise and hate you. Those people who just don't get you. Those people from that connections he wants a line of blessing flowing out of your life amen thanks for listening if you 
you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.